uh, for joining us this morning, whether, again, whether it's in person or online. I know of several families that are not feeling well, and so we'll be praying for a quick recovery. Even our staff, we're so thankful that Taylor uh, is on a uh, much-deserved and earned and needed uh, rest uh, for a couple Sundays, and so we're thankful for that. We have a couple people, staff members that are out sick even this morning, and so we know that it's going around. So again, whether you're here or watching online, we're just uh, so glad that you can participate in worship with us this morning. Uh, so this morning, again, just like last week, we're going to be doing something a little different. I will uh, share a little bit of a devotion for, uh, you know, 10 to 15 minutes uh, and then again, we'll have uh, a family come up and share their experience and how they navigate uh, what we've been talking about, Sabbath, rest, ceasing to work. And uh, I'm so thankful that last week I had a good friend of mine, Chelsea, who's here, had an opportunity to share her story. Uh, and, and then after that, someone had asked, uh, you know, what, what, what is it like for other parents to experience Sabbath? And so uh, I know that if you are a parent in the room or work with young ones or, you know, even have nieces or nephews or neighbors or friends, uh, we all know, whether you have kids or not, that uh, unlike work, you don't really turn that off. Uh, Hence that when we provide a space of respite or uh, care for your children, parents are very excited about that uh, because it's very rare, if not ever, uh, they have an opportunity to kind of not, not be away, but, well, yeah, be away and, and, you know, have their own time. And so we'll take an opportunity, and I'll tell you more about that in just a second. And so uh, this is our last week as we talk about Sabbath, uh, and if you've been around the church for a while or know a little bit about the church calendar, next Sunday is the beginning of Advent. Uh, I know, time goes so fast, and uh, Advent is just a season. Uh, in Latin, it just means fall or wait, or it means waiting. And so we're waiting in anticipation of the resurrection of Jesus. And so that's what Advent is all about. So uh, this morning, our text comes from Mark chapter 2, verse 23 to 27. I'll read the text, I'll pray, I'll share a few words, and then we'll get to the good part, and I'll invite uh, some of my friends up on stage to share with us. So the word of the Lord says this, uh, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread which is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man made for Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, that you have brought us here, whether virtually or in person, to hear from you, to take a breath from life and from work, and just to open our hands and receive what you have for us. And so, God, we ask that you meet us exactly where we're at. And though we're talking about Sabbath, maybe somebody here just needs to hear about healing or forgiveness or anger or 
or or whatever it is. I don't know. But God, maybe uh, the word is completely different uh, because you speak to us in such unique ways. So God, this morning as we unpack Sabbath a little bit more, would you be with us uh, and may you teach us something. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Uh, oftentimes when I do uh, premarital counseling for people or uh, even just meeting up with families, one of the things that I often suggest, if not mandate, uh, at least for homework in the premarital, is having date nights. And so for many of us, we might be familiar with what that looks like, where I say every single week, I want you to set aside an evening or more, whatever it is, some time where you can just unplug from, from work, unplug from any stressors of life. And I know that's easier said than done, but just for a moment, and it doesn't have to be extravagant, it doesn't have to be a fancy dinner or a Michelin restaurant or some you know, fancy outing, just connect. And sometimes that could be over food, it could be over a glass of wine, it could be over conversation or coffee or whatever it is. Just connect and spend some time with one another. Uh, and surprisingly, I often get one of two responses, and, and one response is excitement. Yes, we really need that. I want to do that, uh, and they start planning, and, and it's incredible, and, and the second response that I often get is anxiety. Uh, anxiety is like, wait a minute, you want us to do this every single week? Do, and oftentimes I'm met with, do you, uh, I don't think you know our schedule. We have kiddos, or maybe you know, they have full-time jobs, and you know, they have other distractions in life. They're entrepreneurs, or you know, they're you know, busy with other family obligations. And, and oftentimes, if not excitement, there's a lot of anxiety. And then they try to get to, and maybe this is a personality thing, and maybe this, you know, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, sometimes I can just kind of uh, identify, you know, the rule of the Enneagram is not to identify other people, uh, but I cheat, and sometimes I do, uh, and sometimes I recognize a one when I see a one, uh, and that's just the kind of a personality where they're like, well, I need everything planned. I need everything in order. I need to know in advance what we're doing, and, and all that said is if not anxiety or if not excitement, there's a sense of anxiety of trying to make it perfect, trying to make it right, trying to just make it extravagant or, or whatever it is. And sometimes I sit back and I say, you know, sometimes you just have to just relax. And sometimes I think about that as we navigate our own Sabbath rest. And I love that, excuse me, last couple of weeks, I've heard so many conversations, even in the, in the lobby or even just amongst friends and people in the community about Sabbath. And I love that this is resonating with people because it's something that we're all navigating, especially, uh, you know, in this time of season that we're living in, in this society where, <clears throat> again, it's a badge of honor to be busy and to produce and to succeed and to thrive and to have a busy calendar. For whatever reason, we've been lied to to tell you that that is a successful and meaningful and the best life. Somebody lied to us and we believed it. And so with that said, this idea of Sabbath has become so anxiety-ridden because you think about all the outside things that we need to accomplish and do. And instead of Sabbath being such a good and holy and sacred and restful thing, 
it ends up being the exact opposite and ends up actually being more stressful, creates more work, creates more planning and whatever it is, and then we have it backwards. And I love this idea where Jesus says, look, Sabbath is for you. Let Sabbath happen to you. Let the Sabbath and rest in this dedicated moment in time be working for you, not the other way around. You are not in charge of Sabbath. We are not to do the work of what Sabbath is supposed to do for us, and we have it backwards. And I love uh, one of the pastors uh, in my small group, we're reading this book called, I forgot what it's called, but it's on prayer. Praying like monks, crazy like something, I I forget. It's by by Tyler Stanton. It's a book on prayer. And he has this quote around prayer, and I think this is applicable to the Sabbath, uh, where he says, uh, the harder we try to get it right, the quicker we try to, the quicker we get it wrong. I'll say that again. The, the, the more we try to get it right, the quicker we get it wrong. And I feel like oftentimes when we think about the Sabbath, we try so hard to make it perfect and to make it right. That's so much so it goes backwards and it's counterintuitive and it ends up being wrong. And in Mark here, we see that on the Sabbath that Jesus was going through the grain fields and, he, and his disciples were, were hungry and they started picking grains out in the field. And this happens to be on the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees are looking at Jesus and his disciples and say, what are you doing, Jesus? You're breaking the law because on the Sabbath, you are doing work. And according to the Jewish law, that even picking food and grain is illegal. It is unlawful when it comes to the Sabbath day. And Jesus is, he's so brilliant. He has this almost, as we talked about, subversive response where he says, well, wait a minute. Let me ask you something. Do you remember the story Obviously, they know the story. If they're good, the Pharisees are good, studious Jews who understand the Old Testament. Jesus says, well, wait a minute. Don't you remember what David and his companions did? And it was a reminder that on the Sabbath day, and when it was unlawful to eat a piece of bread, unless you were a high priest in the tabernacle, you were not allowed to eat that bread. But you see, David... During this time in the Old Testament, this was in, if I don't quote me on this, I think it's in 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel, David was running away from King Saul. King Saul wanted to kill David, and they were hungry. They were on the run. Him and his friends were on the run. They were hungry. And the only food that they had was this bread that was in the tabernacle that was only reserved for the high priest. This was the law. And at that point, David had a choice. David had a choice of whether to starve, not only for himself, but for his companions, his friends, or to actually eat that bread. And David, Jesus would say, chose the right decision. David took the bread and ate it for himself and ate it uh, with his companions because they were hungry and they would have most likely starved to death had they not ate the bread. 
And, and so Jesus is recount, re, re, recounting that story to the Pharisees, and, and he says, don't you remember what happened in the time of David when David was running away from King Saul for his life, and he and his friends were going hungry? They ate the bread. They did what was unlawful, but in the eyes of God, that was actually a good thing. Their lives were saved. The people were fr- fr- their people were fed. Goodness happened. And if not, they could have died. And we know that uh, through the line of David, Jesus was born. Jesus had happened. The kingdom of God came in and through the line of David, through the whole line, Jesus was there. And so it was a good thing. And so Jesus is saying, hey, Pharisees, I know that you're judging me right now. And Pharisees, I know you're stressing about the Sabbath. You can't do this. You can't do that. You have to, you're living under the enslavement of Sabbath instead of Sabbath setting you free. It's happening. Things are, the, the entire opposite thing is happening of what Sabbath is all about. And Jesus reminds them, don't, don't you worry. Yes, we're picking grains, but my friends are hungry. And it's actually a good thing. There's delight that is happening. There's justice that is happening. There's goodness that's happening. Those that are hungry are being fed. There's joy. There's delight, as we talked about what Sabbath was. And I want to say this. In a lot of the conversations that I've heard around Sabbath, there was a lot of anxiety. And a part of me, as the pastor who is preaching on Sabbath, I have to ask myself, Okay, let me just rewind a little bit, and let me just remind us. Yes, it requires intentionality. It's a discipline. We're not used to doing it. But when Sabbath happens, when we choose a day or a moment in time, or maybe for some of us it's a few hours, or maybe it's just an evening or a morning, whatever time you have saved just to connect with God, to delight, may be a time of, of less anxiety, and more joy. And as we talked about last week, the question is, what brings you delight? And may we focus on just that. And because what happens is, when we go into the week rested, being filled with delights, being removed just for a moment in time of all the pressures in the world... I could almost promise you that something unique happens for the rest of the week. Because as we talked about, Sabbath and rest isn't just a leftover time that we give to God, but it's actually our first fruits. It's actually giving God from the very beginning of the week. And so I don't think it's an accident, though the calendar, the Roman calendar changed a little bit. The Sabbath, you know, by Christian tradition is on a Sunday and then Monday is a work day. <clears throat> it's no accident that Sunday is actually the first day of the week. It's not Monday. It's actually Sunday. So if you look at the creation narrative, God creates in six days. But humanity wasn't created on day one. If you remember, humanity was created on day six. And so the idea is that humanity was, was created and right into rest. It wasn't that humans worked for six days. That was God's job. God works for six days. But humans didn't actually work for six days. They were actually created. We were created on the last 
workday, of God's workday, and our first breath of life was entered during rest. And, and so I want to encourage us with this. I know last week we talked a little bit about this, but I want to emphasize something. That Sabbath, the more we try, the more we plan, the more we have a hard time giving up our control and our grips in life, the harder it will be to delight. And so I know that this is a discipline, and I know that it requires some intentionality, but I want to encourage us with this. Work will always be there. Family and the stressors of life, it'll always be there. It'll be there uh, when you return from Sabbath. It'll be there during Sabbath. It'll be there even before you enter into Sabbath. But I will tell you this, that when we start off the week rested with thoughtfulness and worship and community and prayer and delight, I would imagine that our work week, as we go into it, whatever that day might be, might look different. And so that's just a quick tidbit of just a follow-up I wanted to do around, I want to give more time to uh, the main event, but I want, to, I want to remind us that just like Jesus is teaching uh, the Pharisees, sometimes when we think about the Sabbath, the best thing we can do is just take a deep breath and just relax. Identify what brings you delight. And oftentimes, one of the pastors say this, that what brings you delight on Sabbath is probably the opposite of what brings you so much work during the week. And so, again, this doesn't need to be planned necessarily. This doesn't need to be a strict guideline. But imagine if you're behind a desk five, six days a week, what would it look like for that one day of Sabbath uh, to be outside and to enjoy God's creation and to take a walk or to go on a hike, you know, if that's your thing or whatever it is, just enjoy the outside and nature and not be behind a desk. The opposite is also true. What if your work week consists of hard labor, of physical labor, and you're out and about and you're on your feet and you're building, you're creating, you're working or whatever it is, what if for a day you're actually not doing that and you are actually at home with your family, maybe at some alone time, maybe kicking back, maybe in meditation and solitude, maybe in scriptures, maybe in coffee, whatever it is. But think about the contrast of what brings you work and toil not that that's a bad thing because work was God's intention from the very beginning. What if you think about the Sabbath as doing the very opposite of that? And so one of the questions that, I've, that I have, and I know many of us have, is what does Sabbath look like with family and children and other responsibilities? And so uh, just for a few minutes, I, I want to invite my friends uh, Knox, Amanda, and their son Woods up on stage. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we can give him a round of applause. And, and although, oh, that's okay. You just take your time. It's okay. We're resting. Uh, and, and I'm sure you all hear this a lot, uh, and I just have to ask, do you all get 
questions when someone introduces you and say, this is Amanda and Knox. No? Okay, maybe it's just me that's into like true crime. <laughs> so we got a newspaper clipping early in our marriage. Someone just like dropped on our front door. Amanda Knox is cleared of murder. <laughs> All right, it's a great day. Um, okay, so this is a really exciting time because again, hi Woods. Hi. Oh, thank you. This is an opportunity for us to unpack what Sabbath might look like or not look like in a life of a family. And not only that is a couple fun facts. I've known Amanda for several years, and Amanda actually has a history, long history at Bethany. Uh, she worked at Bethany Green Lake uh, even before me. And when I came in, she was, she was there. This was back in 2015. Uh, when did you start, Bethany? about three years, mm -hmm. so I think I was probably like 2014, 2014. through 2016. Yeah, okay, yeah. and I'll let you share in a second what you do now, but um, yeah, so fun fact, and uh, another fun fact about Knox is that not only uh, do they both bring in an experience as a parent, as employees, and, you know, and trying to unpack Sabbath, uh, he's also a therapist, and so, uh, and I shared this with him, and he, obviously he's well aware. I, I really think that uh, this is a gift to us because uh, I think in all of who we are, it's not, and we talked about this just even before service, is we're not several different components. Like, we're not a mind and then a soul and then a body. Uh, that kind of idea of dualism uh, comes uh, through Aristotle, anyway, Plato, and that comes way later. I, I believe scripturally that we are one. We are all, yes, we can use the word soul, we can use the word mind, we can use the word body, but we are one, one creation that God has created us in. And so I'm so thankful for this unique lens that we get to hear. So with that said, I'll let you all talk. I would love to ask, tell us a little bit about yourselves, both of you, all three of you. Um, you know our names. Uh, you now know our professions. Uh, well, I guess... I work at a little coffee company that Prentice's household is also familiar with um, as a communications manager. Seattle's best. Not no. Seattle's best coffee. Starbucks. Starbucks. Oh, you want to? And this is Woods. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Woods is two and a half. And yeah, he's a pandemic baby. Um, he was born two weeks before the shutdown of everything so we were lucky enough to have to be in the room together but I know some of you weren't um, so anyway yeah yeah we met uh, we, we were both working at the Union Gospel Mission many years ago and we met um, participating in a kind of an art therapy program and uh, yeah lots of stories there <laughs> yeah and tell us how both of you got into the vocation that you're in you can go first. Okay. Uh, I'm from South Carolina. I didn't know that counseling was a profession. Um, that was a surprising thing for me because it was very taboo. So uh, came out through a longer story, but came out and studied at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology and have a, an interest in kind of these two realms and how they play with each other and what it means. I mean, um, in my, my mind, mental health is about integration. It's about 
an embodiment of, of a truth from the top of us to the bottom. So uh, that's kind of been my, my work as a person is figuring out how to embody a truth um, and, and make it more real and, and bring presence to it rather than the, the separation that I think yeah. we're all used to culturally. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know this, but you were debating on whether to become a therapist and or a pastor, right? Yeah, yep. tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I, yeah, I, I love, um, I love, this is a thing that I'm saying out loud. I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's a pretty amazing embodiment of feminine and masculine. And um, I didn't know whether this would be a thing that I would want to do is be a pastor. I, I was a, formerly a, a football chaplain at Clemson University. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up kind of turning towards psychology because I wanted to understand how people worked and why they did what they did rather than maybe study uh, scripture um, and maybe more of, I guess, a different lens of how yeah. God thinks. And yeah. Cool. Yeah, Amanda. Um, I went to school originally for music education and then switched to global development and had the intention of maybe working abroad and working in nonprofits, which I did a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'd say the rest of my career was kind of like trying to follow places that I saw a lot of goodness in. And that actually took me from Mm -hmm. nonprofits into Starbucks. Um, But uh, (laughs) he really wants to say something, so I'm gonna let him in a moment. Um, but yeah, I, my career doesn't feel very planned to me. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, um, I feel like I've had a lot of big setbacks in it, but a lot of opportunities as well. So it's always just kind of choosing the next yeah. best thing. And that's kind of how I ended up where I am now. Yeah. Um, and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for Starbucks as a company as well. <laughs> they pay a lot of our bills. And so <laughs> thank you. Uh, Woods, did you want to say something? You can. I love it. Uh, when we were talking about doing this, uh, Knox asked, hey, is it okay if Woods comes with us? And I thought, absolutely. I mean, if we're talking about what is real life uh, in families and with children, and uh, this is it. And so I love it. I love the, the authenticity and the realness that we have. Uh, so with that said, tell us what, and either one of you can answer this, what does a typical week look like for you three? Um, our weeks are full for sure. Uh, We're both working full time. Um, I have a pretty set schedule, but flexibility to like pick him up if that's needed where Knox Mm -hmm. doesn't. Um, And then Knox has a slightly like less regular schedule throughout Mm -hmm. each day. So he has little moments of breaks in there, uh, just a less conventional work schedule. And then Knox has a number of things in the evenings and so and I try to as well I'm not as good at (laughs) setting up regular things Um, but it's kind of like every day kind of has its theme we know what's happening most days of the week yeah Um, and then there's also like constant change and chaos Uh and (laughs) I also want to say I'm very aware we only have one child there's a lot of people here who have a lot more they're juggling a lot more of that Um, but yeah, he keeps us on our toes, yeah. <laughs> for sure. And she answered that 
Yeah, and uh, not only is Knox a therapist and obviously a dad, uh, you're also like a lead singer in a band. Yes. Yeah. No, it's okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, well, I'll tie this in. Um, I think part of what is a task, but something that we are constantly trying to work on and learn from is how do we find moments for ourselves? How do we find Sabbath when um, there's so many things to do and he is, he's got a lot of energy, a lot of energy. And I think one of the effects, I don't know if this is true for every parent and maybe this is just a woods thing, but he wants to play with us. He doesn't want to play with other kids. So it, it's a, it's a big demand on when we're at a playground, we don't rest usually if what rest means is not doing anything. Um, we're, we're going down slides and we're climbing things. So anyway, music for me has been one of those moments of like kind of a sacred space where I get to be in a different sort of energy. Yeah. It's, and it's super important. Yeah, so with all that's going on with family and uh, your hobbies and work, like when we talk about the word, when we say the word Sabbath, and, you know, the whole idea of resting and seizing from work, whatever work is for you, like, what does that do to you? Is there something that happens to your bodies, to your minds? Like, if we partake in Sabbath? Well, yeah, you can answer it that way, but, like, does the word Sabbath seem unrealistic or daunting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was thinking about this when you were, just a second ago, um, if... In my mind, Sabbath is like a break from something, or, or I think that's often how we think about it, is like, okay, on Sunday we're just not going to do anything, or we're going to, we're, um, it's going to be a, a recharge, where we're perhaps just watching TV, or we're reading a book, or, mm-hmm. and that's not usually possible with Woods. Um, so for us, it's more like, how do we, how can I find rest in the chaos hmm. that is often our lives um, and take the moments when I actually can just slow down and, and be in my body and when Amanda can slow down and be in her body and really take advantage of it. But it's more like, you know, he's on the ground and either I'm going to participate in that, I'm going to play with him and I'm going to find sort of like... Is he okay? Is he good? Oh, yeah. He's okay. good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 honestly, it's just like that. Like, yeah. right, It's like these moments where you're like... Uh, if I need to get somewhere other than where he is, then I'm not going to find rest. Yeah. Like, if I can somehow participate in that in a way that joins an energy mm. uh, that he has, then we can play together, and, and I'll probably end up experiencing the day very differently. Yeah. But, um, but that's a, you know, those are, like, best-case scenarios for us, and we're like, oh, like, let's sure. be together rather than let's, oh, we got we to gotta go do this, Aaron, we got to do this, and he's... He's like a resistant like, yeah. <laughs> thing in our life. Um, when you bring up Sabbath, I have two like conflicting emotions uh-huh. about it that come up very quickly. Um, and neither of them are like super tied to what it actually is for us right now. Sure. Um, the first is like this deep like peace that comes with it. Um, and for me, that comes with the thoughts of like rhythm and tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of like grandiose ideas of 
having more of like a Shabbat Sabbath mm. uh, that never happens, yeah. <laughs> but I like to dream about it. Um, and it, I think that Jewish tradition speaks to me a lot mm. with like just such ingrained traditions that really orient around community and um, I often return to a book that reminds me of some of those things and helps me uh, integrate little pieces of it. Yeah. Um, my other emotional reaction to it really quickly is anxiety of mm -hmm. like, I don't know, like, <laughs> yeah. I just don't know how there's time for that. I think another important thing in kind of our life is that we live in a hundred and like 10 year old house that we have been renovating by ourselves for the oh, past wow. three years. Yeah. So what weekends used to mean uh -huh. are we work on the house as hard as we can, as quickly as we can to try to get it yeah. in like livable shape, yeah. um, which it is, it, but <laughs> still needs a lot more work. Sure. Um, so that is something that pops into my head quickly when I'm like, oh, yeah. Sabbath or like, do we make our home comfortable? Yeah. Um, so that, that is a lot of it. But as Knox was saying, the reality of Sabbath for us looks different than either of those things. Yeah. And I think it's kind of uh, pushing ourselves into, like, what's the in-between yeah. of that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it feels like, and I think I hear both of you saying this, is sometimes Sabbath is not necessarily, not always a change in the activity, but it's a change in the mindset. You know, because you can think of it as running around as a chore or with, with woods, or you can transform that into a level of worship, saying, like, we're playing together. I love that. Yeah, that's wonderful. So then what would, like, Sabbath look like in a perfect world in the uh, Burnett family household? What do you think, Woods? What do you think, Woods? I love it. There it is. That's, <laughs> I don't think I can add anything. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think for me, hold on, hold on, buddy. You want to say something else besides a fart? No, all right. Um, I think it's just really hard to, we get caught in the sort of manicness. This is a manic city, like most cities are. And, and we move, and we're always thinking, we're always doing something, and, and we have to check ourselves a lot to just sort of say, like, wait, wait, wait. Why, why are we working on the house right now? Are we working on the house to get somewhere? Like, like because inside of us, is the, the anxiety is more inside of me about like, huh, I'm, I gotta finish something, I gotta finish something, I fi gotta finish something. But I never enjoy the thing that I finish because I'm always, it just mm. that posture continues and continues. So, um, you know, leaning into commute, thank you, Megan. Uh, <laughs> leaning into those moments where um, I, I can notice my body and I can lean into maybe a different kind of energy and conversation um, rather than, I think, do, 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 go, 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 finish, 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 which is a never-ending thing that I think, you know, you find those moments on a Sunday where you're like, um, oh, I should, should rest, but it's like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to do that emotionally anymore, like, I, I I, we have a, there's a poignant memory for me where we had done all this work on our house and we had this window that we always envisioned sitting in and we got this window replaced and you could see through it and we put two chairs there 
and then we never sat down. <laughs> like wow. two years, right? We we it was like two years after that had happened that I, I recognized I, I don't I don't know how to enjoy the moments that I have. And if if all life is is just work, 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 then you know, we don't we don't look up and enjoy the window that we've worked so hard to create. Yeah. I was not listening to the first half of what you said, so I may repeat something. Um, <laughs> uh, but I am a logistics person. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just the way I think about things a lot. Um, and so for me, what, when I feel like I'm tapping into Sabbath well, like when I feel like I'm doing it well, is often a day where I've planned a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. where we have a schedule, we're doing activities, a flexible schedule. <laughs> There's, there's no sticking sure. to a real schedule. Um, but because that's when I know often we will be able to connect as a family the most and have those moments of just like deep enjoyment and connection and fun together. Um, and the worst possible scenario is a day where all three of us are at home for a Sabbath and have no plans because it usually ends up like... He's going to get frustrated. He mm. wants to be doing things. <clears throat> then we get frustrated, and it kind of just spins. Yeah. Um, so sometimes finding the most peace right now and the most rest is in having, like, activities going. Wow. Um, and then the other thing I was going to add is we're still lucky enough to have a two-hour nap mm. in the middle of our day. So yeah. I think often it's how we choose to use that time yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, as we kind of wrap up, based off of your experience and the ways that Sabbath has gone well and where it hasn't, um, what would be some of your encouragement be to families and just people with just like really, really busy lives, including with kids or even without? Um, I would say... For me, especially with grandiose ideas of Sabbath, it's been really important to not, well, I can still have those like thoughts and like maybe a vision of something we could execute in the future, um, to not let shame be a result mm. of those thoughts mm -hmm. um, and not make me feel like we're not doing Sabbath right. Mm -hmm. um, and so that has been really helpful for me um, and challenging. Mm -hmm. um, but also uh, it's really with that in like appreciating the really small moments of Sabbath, whether they're on Sunday or throughout the week, um, but to just like notice and acknowledge them. Yeah, I think psychologically I'm always sort of wondering how do I let the idea of rest like infiltrate chaos <laughs> like how can I rest in him running up and down how can I rest in him climbing how can I rest in like the the couple of moments where there actually isn't anything and I can be be alone with my body and my thoughts like rather than almost having to catch up to sabbath mm -hmm. and and let uh, the chaos kind of define that space but yeah I mean it, it's sort of like today like how do we how do we lean into this moment um and accept ourselves and accept what we're bringing um 
while also having a little bit of a vision of like, huh, like, can I slow down? Can I, mm-hmm. can I hold this? Can I bring some presence? And, and maybe, maybe something like running for him, like if, if my idea today was to come listen to a sermon and these words, like, it's just not really that possible for me to do. <laughs> but if I can kind of lean into the, oh, okay, I can listen right now. Great. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like if I can, and then I'm, I'm going to go chase him and everything is, if, if I can view everything as being actually God's presence being a part of it, yeah. can probably access something. I love that. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate all three of you giving us a glimpse into your lives and just being just honest and sharing your story because I know many of us can resonate with a lot of things that y'all are talking about, whether you know you or we have kids or not. And, and so we're super thankful for all three of you. And so with that said, I would love to just pray for y'all. And then uh, we'll close in our time of reflection. So I'll actually invite the band back up as we pray. Um, God, thank you so much for Knox and Amanda and Woods, that they would share a little bit of their lives with us in order for us to just resonate and, and have empathy and not just empathy, but see even our story and their stories. And God, would you just continue to um, give them rest and pockets of peace and Sabbath, whatever that looks like, without shame, without guilt, just moments where they can just connect with you, with others, with each other. And so, uh, God, we're just so thankful for this family. We're so thankful for Woods' energy. God, may we just learn from the joy of children. Uh, And may we be like them in a world of divisiveness and hurt and pain. And although all those things are real, you say, come to me like, like children. And so, God, help us to be just like Woods, just free and just enjoying life and to uh, make noise and to just know that you are God. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Let's give all three of them a round of applause. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Woods. Uh, we're going to enter into a, a moment of of music, of song as we reflect. And my encouragement to all of us as we enter into this song, uh, that we just ask hard questions. Like, how am I doing in my moments of rest? Am I taking rest for my body, for my soul? And, and if not, how are ways that we can accomplish that? And, and I love what Knox and Amanda said about changing uh, the framework that removes the guilt and the shame uh, of just productivity uh, or, and or not doing Sabbath right, whatever that is. And, and I would say the way that you know you're doing Sabbath right is if you're delighting in God. And we're all so wired so differently. And may all of us, myself included, find the way that we are wired so that we can delight in God. Maybe that is going for a walk. Maybe that is just sitting and reading. Maybe it's just singing. Maybe it's changing your framework of running around as a chore with your children, and it's a sense of play and mystery and discovery. May we find ways to delight, and not only to delight, but also to to resist. Remember, Sabbath is not just about delighting in God, but it's resisting in what our society tells us to do. It's resisting being on our phones. It's resisting scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. It's resisting the temptation to just read everything that's happening in our world. 
It's resisting, chasing popularity and fame and money and success uh, and bank account numbers or whatever it is. It's just to remove ourselves just for a moment in time and just delighting in who God is and what God has for us in our own lives and our family. So may this moment of worship, of song, be a prayer be, be a moment of wonder, like, God, what is it that you have for me? God, how can I rest in you? How can I surrender? Because for many of us, the hardest part of surrendering and, and entering into Sabbath is our just constant need for control. I need to have an outline. I need to be in charge. I need to just make everything happen. And I would just say, as God says, as Jesus said to his, uh, the, the Pharisees, relax. Remember what David did? David didn't freak out. David didn't die and kill himself over hunger. He ate the bread. So relax, everybody. Breathe. Rest. Things will be there the next day, I promise you. It's not going anywhere. So let's sing about that. Let's celebrate. Let's worship.